You are listening to the Trick or Treaters podcast. Listen to them, children of the night. What music they make. Horror news. What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. Movie reviews. It's got a death curse. And all the gory details. Sid, don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. Listen if you dare. <laughs> And welcome, everyone, to the debut episode of the Trick or Treaters podcast. I'm your host, Kyle, and I'm joined here by my co-hosts, JR and Maria. Hey. How's everyone doing today? We're good. We're excited to get this started. Oh, yeah, me too. It can be. How was that, JR? uh, I don't know if you cut out. I'm excited as can be. I just, you know, there's a lot of good horror out there I'm diving into now in the last few weeks uh, based on your recommendations, Kyle, so... I'm just ready, ready to go and start uh, looking up some more good stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty excited to start the show with y'all. Uh, I was very ha- happy to discover y'all, and what's really neat is that like <laughs> we're all friends through wrestling t- Twitter. More importantly, like through AEW, that's how we all met. <laughs> I mean, I mean, wrestling kind of brings everybody together <laughs> in some form really or fashion. <laughs> it really does. Especially nowadays, like most of my friend group is through wrestling. Well, I think also like, with us being through, you know, 2020, through staying at home and us being more on social media, you start learning more things and you have um, more common interests just besides one. So knowing that all of us love wrestling, especially AEW, but now we also you know, really big into horror, it's just kind of, you know, you learn so much about each other and, you know, makes us closer friends online. Yeah, definitely. Oh, oh yeah, I agree. I'm I'm very excited too. With that being said, let's just get right into it. Uh, we're gonna start off. Uh, uh, everyone listening, uh, we're gonna start off with some horror news from this week. First off, I've got. Uh, now I apologize in advance if I butcher some of these names. Uh, Alyssa Pereira, I think I said that right. She uh, uh, she was announced yesterday joining the the cast of Scream Five, which is the uh, the one of the first new faces that's been announced for the movie. Because uh, here, the the past few announcements was uh, David Arquette and and Courtney Cox. So Melissa's the first like new face who's joined the cast. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I want to see how this all kind of develops. I mean, that's kind of like a staple series, you know. Like it's everybody kind of has their moments when they remember that series. But yeah, definitely looking forward to. Uh, I don't know, just differences. There's a lot of differences coming out. A lot of remakes. A lot of different takes on things. Um, so I don't know, it's interesting time in horror, especially like independent films, too. Oh, yeah. And like what's great is uh, the the people who are behind Scream 5 were also the ones who were behind, uh, I think it came out last year, uh, the movie Ready or Not. I mm-hmm. just recently watched watched it finally after hearing like really good things and I, it was amazing like i'll probably end up having to cover it uh, on the show at some point because I, I highly recommend everyone see it but uh, since i saw that and i saw what they did with that movie i was like okay i've I, i've got high hopes for screen five now i'm not too familiar with what this actress has been in I don't know if any if any of you are. I know her um, name was tied to like in the Heights, which is uh, Lin Manuel's uh, two film adaptation of his Broadway. So like I know she can act. So like you know what I mean. Like if you're doing Broadway adaptation, then it's going to be it's usually a different type of take on it when you do it to the film version. So like when I saw her name, that's the only thing I remember I recall from it. 
but I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Like I like when they bring new faces, um, cause it's something, you know, just fresh and brand new. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just I was looking at her information. Uh, she was the uh, her. She's more well known for a show called Vita on Stars. It had it aired for three seasons, and it just recently ended at the um, end of May. Story about two Mexican American sisters who moved back to their childhood home in Boyle Heights, Los Angeles, after the death of their mother. And so, it's very interesting. Uh, you know, the other thing too is this: the cast. It seems to be going to go in a very diverse, char- I can't think of the word, but a very diverse overall um, of all the characters or casting. And yeah. it's going to be very interesting to see who else is cast in the future, because right now, outside of Courtney Cox and David Arquette, this is the first name that has dropped in the next role of Scream 5. And it's going to be interesting to see where they pick up after Scream 4. Oh, yeah. Uh, with that being said, uh, I'll go ahead and talk about this one as well. And another news thing uh, just announced just a, a couple hours ago. Uh, I think I'm saying this right. Jenny Ortega, who uh, 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 you may be familiar with from Insidious Chapter 2, or if you watched the Netflix show You, she was in Season 2, and she's going to be in the upcoming sequel to the, the Netflix movie the, the Babysitter. They're making a sequel called the, the Babysitter Killer Queen. Well, she just got cast in Scream Five as well. There you go. There's another another um, you know diverse name yet. Now you have um, Barrera and, and Jenna Ortega. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. Also, once we start seeing who are some some male characters and how they're going to go with this film, you know, as we know from Scream Four, we had um, our second. If I'm doing my math correct in my head, our second female killer. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, as we start going through this whole adaptation, you start learning characters, who who's kind of playing who, um, who's a possibility of being a killer, who's a possibility of being a new leading lady, what are they going to do after Scream 5, is there a possibility for a Scream 6 and Scream 7, are they eventually going to move on from, you know, the which I would call the original trio of Cox, Arquette, and Nev Campbell, and hopefully Nev Campbell, she hasn't been confirmed yet. Um, but hopefully, if she comes back for Scream Five, yeah, that's what I was about to just say. Yes, yeah, so far, uh, it, it, it seems like it seems like everybody who you normally would think would is going to be in Scream uh, is signing back on. And there's even rumors that Matthew Lillard wants to reprise his role as Stu somehow i'm not sure how they're going to do that but if they if they did that I, i'd i'm not gonna lie I, i'd be interested i'd be okay <laughs> with them bringing Stu back he he, he was great <laughs> yeah i don't know how they're gonna do that either but it is an interesting take <laughs> I, I will say this if you look at all the killers um that have been through the series Stu is probably the one who could potentially come back with the way he was killed off because she dropped the TV on his head and just when you're looking at you know look at Billy look at Billy's mom you look at Mickey and then uh Roman and then going into four everybody else was pretty much like shot in the head yeah and he was the only one that wasn't shot in the head so I mean theoretically it's possible I mean we see crazier <laughs> Yes, true. I mean, yeah. he kind of like there was something about his whole character, just like the just I don't know. 
he's very, um, it was very impressionable. Like the one thing I remember the most about the original was him, you know? So like to see him come back in some shape or form would be interesting. Um, hopefully it's done well. That's what I always scare about horror movies. When they do too much, one package, it doesn't always end up, you know, they end up missing the mark. Um, but yeah, I like him. So I, I agree with everything. <laughs> yeah. I agree with, uh, with JR, like, the way he died, they could easily say he survived that and like just ran out the door because like they never showed his body. No, like they never showed him. Never really confirmed that he was dead. Another person who they didn't really confirm that died, and who I see a lot of fans talking about who they'd like to see come back for Screen Five is uh, um, Hayden Panettiere, who played Kirby. I think a lot of fans say that they would like to see them bring Kirby back or into Screen Five. Yeah, I mean. Kirby, she was a very interesting character. I mean, when you look at Scream 4 and those, and I believe her and Emma Roberts were two of the first names that were dropped when Scream 4 and immediately, you know, from the beginning of the film, you really thought that these two were going to potentially take over the franchise, especially when Wes, you know, the late Wes Craven when he talked about doing Scream 4, I think there was the possibility of doing a new uh, trilogy, 4, 5, and 6. And yeah. as we know, unfortunately, you know, Scream 4 didn't produce as well as people thought it was going to. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the also the, the passing of Wes Craven also affected that. She hasn't done anything um, in about three to four years. I think the last thing she did was... Nashville, the TV show where she was a uh, country singer, that ended about in 2018. Her last film was in 2016. Um, I know she had a baby sometime around. Yeah, I remember um, that too. 2016, 2017. She had um at the time she was I can't I, I believe she was married. I could be wrong, but she was at the very least dating um, the former heavyweight boxing champion of the world, Vladimir Kitsch, Klitschko. So I know she had taken time off of everything and had kind of scaled back her roles in Nashville. Now, um, you know, I believe her daughter's probably around the age of three or four. So I think just kind of she wants to get back because she hasn't been doing anything for, for two years now. So um, I'd be all for it. I thought she would a great character. Yeah, oh, yeah, I liked her. I liked her in Heroes and stuff like that. It was um, she has a very dynamic way of um, acting. Um, she's a really big like scene stealer, I would say. Um, so yeah, I would like to kind of like you said it when it came out. Before it, like you said, it was it. It. I'm not saying it missed the mark. It was still an enjoyable movie, but it wasn't as good as the others. Um, so it would be interesting to see her come back in some shape or form too. But. Um, yeah, I do miss her. And she was really, yeah. I mean, when she was big, I was still like, kind of like, I remember Heroes. Heroes was a huge thing in 2006. Um, I had just gotten out of high school. So like everybody was still this whole DC Marvel thing. And then Heroes comes out and it's like a breath, you know, a breath of fresh air when it comes to the superhero stuff. But yeah, she, I, I really enjoyed her in that. I enjoyed her. I didn't see too much in Nashville. I have some cousins who like that show too. Um, but yeah, I would like to see her come back too. Oh yeah, I agree. I'm, all four Kirby returning Scream 5. In other news, uh, I can't remember if this was yesterday or, or the day before. And for anyone or everyone listening, uh, this episode is being recorded on Wednesday, August 19th. The Exorcist uh, it, uh, is getting, uh, the, the movie is getting a reboot 
uh, that's set to release next year. I'm, I'm wondering. I think if the right people get a hold of it, I think it could be done right. But we'll just have to see. The Exorcist is a film where it's kind of, in my opinion, it's tough to do a reboot because there's been so many exorcism films that have come after Exorcist. I mean, just in general, these possession films. So that's kind of, um, I mean, that's kind of a tough thing. You know, for many people, The Exorcist is an iconic film that will last the test of time. So it's one of those things where, do you really need to do a remake or can you just call it anything? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's my opinion. No, it's it's a good one because uh, movies like this, when they remake them, they make them with those like jump scares, and it it's not about the jump scares; it's about the the psychological aspects of the movie that made the actually so scary. You know what I mean? Which you can't see, which you don't believe in, which you give the power to. Um, and the Exorcist it played a lot on just like one room, a couple of scare you know scary movies. You got the spider walk and things like that, but only people I could see really doing something like I love Guillermo del Toro, but like. He would actually, if you're going to have a creature, it would be a real creature. It wouldn't be like, you know, computer generated. It'd be actually somebody in a suit ready to scare the heck out of you. And if you're going to do something as far as like a demonic entity and you've seen things or the parents are seeing things inside, you know, the house with the girl, I can see it working. But if it's going to be very visually affect like computers and stuff like that, they're going to miss the mark horribly because that's what the movie didn't have. It didn't have none of that. It was just a really good, scary movie. I mean, my, my dad used to tell me stories of how when he first went, first went to go see the movie in the theater and everybody would run out screaming. People were crying. It was so scary. Like, it was a huge deal when it first came out. And I don't think you could recapture something like that. Definitely like lightning in a bottle. Yeah, I I see what you're saying, Maria. I agree, too. The Exodus would definitely be one that would be hard to reboot and still have that same magic that the original had. Mm-hmm. I was just going to oh. add another thing too that made that that movie scary, um, and this is for me. You know, all of us weren't alive when this movie came out, but you know, watching it when I was eighteen, nineteen years old, when I finally did watch it, one thing my brother told me he goes, "You don't know how many people died when this was being filmed, right?" Mm-hmm. And you know, you're learning that there was death surrounding this film, and that plays into the you know the horror aura of the original exorcist so like i said i mean there's been so many other possession films you know first off the top of my head i think about the exorcist the exorcist of emily rose mm-hmm. as a you know different film or you have a you know kind of like not the same thing because it's from a, a comic book that we look at john constantine that has to do with possession so Veronica. you have so many different um yeah, you have so many different possession films so it's just I don't know, that's a very one that's just one I probably wouldn't have touched. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, headline reports that direct and uh, this is something uh, Maria will like uh, for for all those listening. Maria is a a librarian. Mm-hmm. Deadline reports that director and uh, once again I apologize if I butcher the name. Director Lee Janiak. I think I'm pretty sure I screwed that up. Uh, <laughs> has uh, wrapped filming on three films of of R.L. Stein's Fear Street series. Uh, he filmed three films from the Fear Street series that interconnect. I can't remember what three it was. I don't know if the article stated that or not. 
but it's three of the of of the stories in the R.L. Stein Fear Street series that interconnect. Well, Netflix uh, closed the deal with Disney to acquire them, and planning on next year beginning uh, in the summer, uh, uh, they're going to show them each one month apart as part of their uh, an event they're doing called the Summer of Fear. I don't know. I, I always I don't know. Like there was something about like the goosebumps and R.L. Stein and like, um, are, what, you know, are you afraid of the dark? Did I feel like they missed now when they recreate things like this, like on Disney or Nickelodeon platform, like they had, what was it that like very small engagement of, um, don't be afraid of the dark. Was it on, was it on Nickelodeon or was it on Netflix? Yeah, it was on They're, Nickelodeon and it yeah. was nothing <laughs> like I remember it. Nothing like I remember. There's still episodes I can go back to that are like really creepy. You know what I mean? Like there's a, something about just, yeah. I don't know what it is. If, it, if it's the camera if it's just that the lack of high definition, the way everything was shot back in the nineties that make it what it is. But, you know, I'm a little, I'm kind of worried about it a little bit, but I also like the fact as a librarian that they're making something that kids love to read into something they can visually see on television. And that hopefully will inspire them to either continue the series, go back and reread some of the classic goosebump books and things like that. The fear street novels actually are not that bad for like young adult novels. Um, they really open a doorway to get you into reading more scarier things because it really touches lightly upon the elements. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, but it's, it's so, it's still lighthearted, but it teaches you those morals that you do see in a lot of horror movies. Like, you know, don't do this or this is going to happen to you. Um, so they're great, like starting points for any, any kid that does like, you know, to be scared a little bit, which is good for anybody. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried. I, Disney kind of scares me when it monopolizes everything. <laughs> yeah, I was a fan of the Fear Street series. Uh, I read it growing up, and it, it definitely like was more of a gateway to other stuff for me. We'll yeah, I didn't. Um, I never read the Fear Street. I read his, the Goosebumps books. Um, I remember the Haunted Mask. I remember the Attack yes. of the Mutant. Yes. Um, I remember my best friend's Invisible. Uh, the yeah, Color Creeps, and. Another thing too, when you add on top of that, the movies they made or the uh, they weren't really. I don't think they were movies. weren't they just more just a television? Yes, a yeah. television show. Well, I think the Haunted um, Mask was made into a movie. Yeah, I that was. I remember buying that on VHS when I was a kid. Yeah, um, but I remember specific. I remember the. I think it was the Creeps. They them because they had they ate like some cookie that turned him into like this monster and then i remember the attack of the mutant one but also mm-hmm. are you afraid of the dark i remember anything they did with had to do with magic was just terrifying as a kid i don't that specifically just sticks out in my head is that anything that has to do with magic for some reason just had some sort of terrifying ending to it yeah um, but uh, it's interesting though because this from reading that this has been filmed for a while and just sitting there. So I, it's interesting that they're waiting until 2021 to release it and not release it this Halloween. So yeah, I guess we need, I guess we all need things to look forward to. And Netflix has a, a you know, a plethora of material that's coming out down the road. So they could probably wait till next summer. Seeing that yeah. it's a, it's a film series and not a movie like the goosebumps movie that was made with Jack black. I, I think I have a little bit higher hopes that, the one with Jack Black kind of let me down because it wasn't, it wasn't what the original was. 
the original concept of Goosebumps, in my opinion. Yeah. It was more, you know, kind of like spooky comedy, not, you know, spooky. Yeah. This last bit of news, uh, this was the one I found the most uh, I was excited about because uh, I was like, wow, this is crazy. So uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, who played Sarah Sanderson in Hocus Pocus, which uh, I know some people don't like the movie, and then there's others that really love it. Uh, I'm one of the ones that really love it. It's like one of my all-time favorite Halloween movies. I watch it multiple times throughout the year, no matter what what season it is. She was recently on a show called Who Do You Think You Are, which is a series that dives into the ancestry of celebrities. Well, she found out that she actually has real-life ties to the Salem Witch Trials. Her her 10th great-grandmother was was Ether Dutch Owl, who along with Abigail Rowe and Rebecca Dyke was accused of witchcraft by a 17-year-old girl named Betty uh, Hubbard. The accusation even went as before a court, and a warrant was drawn up for the rest of all three of them. But fortunately, the court was dissolved before it was ever brought to trial. And on the show, uh, the handwritten warrant, uh, uh, it still exists, and uh, Sarah Jessica Parker was able to view uh, scans of it during the episode. I did not see any of this. I'm sorry I had to say that. <laughs> I had to go find this now. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> it's crazy. I'm sorry. Like I'm just like I I, I remember to show. I remember to show you were talking about. But I yeah. had to interject really quick because I was like, how fitting that she find some crazy ancestry lineage to that. Like that's <laughs> that's super cool because that's her character super iconic and yeah. focus focus, you know? But right. like I'm sorry. That's just really, really cool. <laughs> yeah, out of all three, she was my favorite witch in the movie. I don't know how people would not like that movie. That movie was amazing as a kid. I mean, it wasn't. I know. It, it wasn't scary, but I mean, the, but the whole concept of it and then just the acting between um, Sarah Jessica Parker and um, uh, what's her name? The main witch. Um, I can't think of her name. Sleep my Bed Midler? Is that who Yes. I, I think so, yeah. Um, I, and I, I will never remember the other sister's name. But for, for sister, I just yeah, it was just a great film. And then I seen that Doug Jones, who has always played interesting characters, especially in Guillermo del Toro films, like mm-hmm. in Hellboy, he was um, he was Ape Sapien. I found that to be um, you know later in life that was really cool. So I thought it was a great film, and I know a lot of people have been you know anxiously waiting for a sequel for many years. So that's kind of cool. Oh yeah, yeah. I thought that was really neat. Uh, I was like, "That's can you imagine that? You're playing a witch, then you find out you have actual ties to the Salem Witch Trials." And like this movie, like I, I've always been a fan of Hocus Pocus, and like uh, I'm actually planning on uh, next year if everything's you know back to somewhat normal and we can travel, I'm actually planning to take a trip to Salem. And uh, most of the, I think most of the movie, if not all of the movie, was actually filmed in Salem. So like all, you can go see all the all the filming locations, and I plan on doing all that. That's That's super cool. cool. Definitely take pictures. (laughs) Lots (laughs) and lots of pictures. (laughs) Oh, for sure, I will. Last but not least, even though this was yesterday, we just want to wish a happy horror birthday to Terry McMinn 
who, for those unfamiliar with her work, uh, she played Pam in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, she was uh, she was the girl that Leatherface put on the meat hook, and then left in the freezer later on to die. Yep. Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> so iconic. <laughs> Happy birthday, me bag. Yep. <laughs> well, uh, that wraps up the horror news for today. So I will move on to Maria our resident librarian with your horror book recommendation of the week. Sure. But really, really quick. I wanted to go back to something we were talking about. We were talking about Doug Jones, right? (laughs) Do you guys remember? (laughs) Maybe, I don't know, since I am a little bit older than everybody, but um, do you guys remember the McDonald's commercial with the moon, Mac moon, Mac Knight, or everything it was called. He was actually that guy in that commercial Mac tonight. Oh, okay. Yeah, and the only reason I say that, when I was like four or five years old, I used to love like reading my book and looking out the window to the moon. And I used to love the character in that commercial. And I thought, you know, as being a child, he was like the moon and he's singing and his dancing. And I loved him. And my dad took me one time to a McDonald's, the Rock and Roll McDonald's in Chicago, and to meet Mac tonight, the moon. So I was, I have a picture of him, right? Not knowing years later that he would be Abe Sapien, you know, that he would be, you know, the the creature from uh, uh, Shape of Water and all these amazing monster, you know, characters that in Del Toro's movie. I just found it hilarious that I loved him since I was like four, <laughs> all the way to when I became an adult. But I decided to throw it out there. That it was it was a cool little tidbit that I saw him talk about in a um, a interview that he's been around since literally like nineteen eighty something, like in late eighties. So if you didn't know that, Doug Jones is amazing and he's been around forever. I just looked it up right now, and he it was from eighty six through ninety seven, and this is the first time I've ever heard of Mac tonight. Are you serious? <laughs> I don't ever remember a character named Mac tonight. Um, with the moon head. Yeah, they and had a toy and everything. Yes, they had a toy. You get a toy in your Happy Meal. And like, yeah, the whole commercial is like him just singing and dancing. It was really, yeah, really Broadway-ish. But uh, no, yeah, I just found it really hilarious when he said that. I was like, oh my God, no. So I had to look it up. And yeah, of course, I love Doug Jones. He's one of my bucket list people I would love to meet. Hamburglar, yes. Mac tonight, no. Shush. <laughs> Shush you. <laughs> All right, on to my pick of the week or the, this episode. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to pick something that's a little bit more known. I'm going to pick a Stephen King book, but a lot of people haven't read it yet. It's called The Institute. Um, and the reason why I bring it up is because just recently when the book came out uh, last fall, a couple of months later, they did note that they're actually going to do a adaptation of the novel. And if you guys do like, you know, um, it and the Losers Club, this is something that you're really, really interested in reading. The Institute's about a group of kids, except they're not just regular kids. They're slightly X-Men-ish. They have these powers, these gifts, and the government basically is looking for these children. And these things happen into this in this building that is insane. It is 
it's so insane to realize that these kids are between the ages of like maybe 10, even a little bit younger up to the age of like 16, 17. So the dynamics are pretty cool to see when you have like young adults taking care of little kids and things like that. But I really, really like the idea of the book. I'm excited that they're going to adapt it into a mini series. Uh, they actually wanted to bring on some of the people that actually worked on Mr. Mercedes, which was also a limited engagement on the audience network, a network that nobody knows about but it was on the audience network uh, mr mercedes is also a trilogy by stephen king a uh, really great one if you haven't seen it it has to do with bill hodges trilogy but characters in that story are actually seen in the late hbo series uh the outsider which is also a stephen king i'm a huge stephen king's fan if you haven't noticed but the institute's a really cool book it's it's kind of long Bear with the first 60 pages. They're a little slow, but it sets up everything else in the novel. The person they talk about in the first 60 pages is very pivotal to the rest of the story. It's a great coming-to-age story of these kids that are going through this, these trials and tribulations. But once again, if you enjoyed it, chapter one and chapter two, the old movie, if you like Stranger Things and stuff like that, you would definitely like The Institute. Um, pick it up. It's either you know Amazon, Kindle, Local library, download it for free if you have a library card, because I'm one of those people. Use your library card, use your local library. But it's a great book. <laughs> great book. Get an audiobook. Do something. Read it. It's it's awesome. Before it comes out on TV and you won't know what's going on like everybody else. Get with it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've uh, – I haven't read this one yet, so I'll definitely have to uh, check this one out. It's probably one of the, my top favorites of his. Um, you know, I really enjoyed um, it. It was a, it's a huge read. If nobody have, have you haven't read the book guys, it's like 1200 pages. Um, yeah. it's, it's a huge read, but it tells you so much that the series and the two movies didn't tell you. Um, I think that the movies were okay. We can always get into it in another episode, but, um, yeah, definitely. I'm glad that they're taking Institute and making it a mini series like the original it was, so that's really interesting to see how far they'll go, how many episodes they'll have, or how many seasons they'll have. Because the Institute isn't as long as it, but it's about five something pages, five five and some change. But there's enough there for it to actually make probably one or two seasons. It's very interesting. Uh, I'll definitely check out that book, though. And now we'll go to JR, our resident professor, for our horror history of today. Thank you, Kyle. So today in horror history, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master was released as recorded on August 19th, 2020. This film was released exactly 32 years ago today on August 19th, 1988. It ranked number one on its box office opening weekend. Uh, it grossed $12.8 million. It actually, for the year of 1988, had the seventh highest grossing weekend beating out other films like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, uh, coming um, Good Morning Vietnam, Twins, Beetlejuice, Willow, just to name a few, uh, having a bigger opening weekend. It also grossed $49.3 million at the U.S. box office and was the 19th highest grossing film of 1998. Um, 1998 was a big year in horror films as we saw Friday Friday the 13th Part 7, Halloween Part 4, as well as the original Child's Play was released. And Nightmare on Elm Street 4 completely demolished all of them at the box office, outgrossing them. The closest one was Child's Play at $33 million. It was the highest grossing 
Nightmare on Elm Street in the U.S. until uh, Freddy vs. Jason was released in 2003. Currently sits as the fourth highest grossing film in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. One of the things I found interesting about this film was that it was only released in the U.S. compared to the other films that were released that grossed higher. Um, the original Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Freddy vs. Jason, and then the reboot of Nightmare on Elm Street was released in other areas outside the United States, which attribute to having a bigger box office. So which leads me to believe when Nightmare on Elm Street for the Dream Master was released internationally, they would have surpassed easily Nightmare on Elm Street, the original, um, as it only took in that spot by $8 million, and that was due to international box office appeal. Oh, wow. I didn't know that the Dream Master wasn't released internationally. That's pretty crazy. I wonder, I wonder why. A lot of the horror films, as I was looking up information, was not released outside the United States. So, for example, um, all the Nightmares 2, 3, 4, 5, as well as um, Freddy's Dead, was not released internationally. And when you look at, the, uh, the ho- for example, in comparison to Halloween, Halloween 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6 was not released internationally either. Um that's, I'm not sure if it had something to do with, um, you know, the budget situation, not doing advertising international, not sure if they could get international appeal. Um, but that was interesting that it seemed quite a bit of the, I mean, those are the first two I saw that they had, they were not released internationally, um, specifically in the eighties to early nineties. Wow. It's pretty interesting. Uh, well, thank you for that, JR. And I guess we were going to get right into the, the main topic of today. Uh, since today's our debut episode, we figured it'd be a good idea to just, uh, instead of reviewing a movie uh, for this episode, we're just going to tell everybody about how we became fans of horror and how we were introduced and everything. And uh, I'll start it off. I can't remember what my exact age was. I know I was really young. But I do know that the first horror movie I remember seeing was the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It, I, I, I'm sure it was like on TV, and and uh, I was there in the room, and uh, I know it. Uh, I didn't quite understand like you know <laughs> what it was, and uh, once I uh, I watched more of it and stuff, uh, I was one of them who bought who bought into the whole, you know, that it's based on a real story. I, I thought that was like legit. <laughs> I think a lot of people did though. <laughs> yeah. But, but like this also had like an effect on me. Like I didn't realize it for a while there and I'm, uh, I'm fine now, but like for a while there, it made me terrified of chainsaws. Like, if it like uh, I remember there was one year uh, my elementary school uh, during Halloween we had a haunted house, and one of the actors in there uh, were the persons working it had a chainsaw at the end. As you know, school haunted houses usually have a guy with a chainsaw at the end of the haunted house. And when I was waiting in line to go to the haunted house, I was excited for it. And then when I was in line and I heard the chainsaw, I left. 
<laughs> you're like, nope. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I pretty much nope, nope the hell out of that situation. Like, I was not going to go anywhere near there. And I, it, it all has to do with, 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 with this movie. It just it made me afraid of chainsaws. Like I think there was a time when when I, I remember seeing my dad out in the woods. Uh, he was cutting a tree and he had a chainsaw, and just him using that like 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 terrified me. And I had to like get away. <laughs> but uh, I know like Texas Chainsaw, uh, the original Texas Chainsaw Master was like one of my first horror movies. And then my, my favorite horror movie series of, of all time is is the Friday the Thirteenth franchise and. I'm very excited but whenever we dive into that because I'm like I'm a Friday thirteenth fanatic. But uh though the one I remember seeing is Friday the thirteenth, uh, part eight, Jason takes uh, Manhattan. Like I don't I can't tell you how many times I've seen that movie. And and it's weird though, because it's not like particularly like one of my favorites in the series, but it's just one that I always remember and the one that that always like uh stands out to me as as one of my first introductions to horror, to horror. And then another movie I remember, uh, I, don't, I don't know if, if y'all have seen this, like it, it, I guess I thought that this series was more popular than it really was. Cause I've come across quite a few people who have never seen it. Have any of you ever seen the, the puppet master series? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah so like, uh, I remember like seeing the original puppet master and, uh, I was like obsessed with uh, with the puppet Blade. Like I, I just loved him. I, I wanted a, a replica puppet of him and everything. I unfortunately never got one, and I'm still trying to get one to this day. But uh, like Puppet Master was real big for me. But I, I guess like besides like the movies, my main introduction would be when would be like some well well. Haria will, will, will like this. Uh, the uh, scary stories to tell in the dark uh, mm-hmm. series. Like I, I loved those books when I was a kid, and and I think it was the illustrations that really got to me and uh, uh, really made me a fan of stuff like that. Yeah, that book is amazing. Um, I, I have the collection. Um, I rebought it because uh, I lost mine in a uh, flood we had last year. Um, I had this since I was a kid, too. Um, but, yeah, those were definitely the stories I used to read to my next-door neighbor who was a little younger than me, just to scare him. <laughs> so yeah, he, yeah. Would, he would hate when I would tell the one about, like, especially the one, like, in the movie about, like, the toe and the soup and things like that. Or the guy that would come, um, oh, it was the one, the knocking one, where if you knock a couple of times, the he comes inside your house or something like that. I forgot how yeah. How, yeah. yeah so there, there was a couple of that. I, yeah, my neighbor was maybe about, like, four years younger than me. Uh, but he always wanted to hang out with somebody that's a little older than him. And but I was always reading, and that was definitely one of those books that I love. But yeah, that's definitely, definitely one of those coolest books that uh, that kids could pick up. And I don't even think they knew it would be that scary. But the visuals in there, like you said, the illustrations were actually pretty off-putting. <laughs> yeah, I remember like the first time I ever picked up one of those books, and I was shocked at at the illustrations. I was like, "This is a kids. This is a." Like this is a book for my age. Like, are they sure? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, if uh, if anybody hadn't seen it yet, it's on Tubi and it's on Amazon Prime uh, Video. Uh, there's a documentary called I think it's just called Scary Stories, and it's a whole documentary about the making of these books and the controversy 
behind them where people were there were some schools uh and parents trying to get them banned and it goes over everything and uh, i watched it last night it it was wonderful i remember those books when i was a kid too because that's like the 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 scary stories i think the one was called a light in the attic it was a poem book for some reason those those were the two books like every kid in grade school wanted to check out yeah no idea why but those are scary stories to tell in the dark the sequel and then and then the the poem like i said it was like a light in the attic or something to that effect were the ones that everybody wanted to have and that was like really the precursor to the whole popularity of goosebumps when i was in school that's how it was with me too uh like i, I read all those books and of course like like most people um uh, goosebumps was, was real big a TV series was good was good as well, but like I wasn't as big into the TV series as I was reading the Goosebumps books. Like even like I read most just about every every Goosebumps book there was when I was a kid. And then uh, I'd say like one of the things that like really like made me like a fan of like I guess scary stuff, uh, what you call it, would be uh, on Nickelodeon the the show Are You Afraid of the Dark? I absolutely love that show. I don't know, I've always like really liked horror movies, but I wasn't like a huge fan. Like I watched them, but it, it's not like it, like it is now. Like like now, I collect horror figures and, and memorabilia. I have all po- all kinds of posters hanging on my wall, and it's just pretty much everything to me. That's it's all I do. <laughs> I just watch horror movies, or if I'm not watching horror movies, I'm reading up on 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 stuff about them. And now we're starting a podcast about horror movies. <laughs> I mean, it all fits. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But like, uh, yeah, uh, pretty much just a little bit of everything. You know, you you see a horror movie when you're a kid and it kind of has an effect on you and you don't even realize it. And then you just go through and more stuff starts to pile up. And all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I'm really into this. Yeah, I mean, especially when you look at, um, I think everybody, every kid has a haunting story about a horror film they saw as a kid, as you mentioned, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was yours, and then how kind of well from there, so. Yeah, uh, that's pretty much like a gist of how I got into everything. Yeah, um, I guess I'll go next. So for me, it's kind of, it's two separate tells into one. And I'll try to not be so. I'll try not to be long-winded because I yeah. just naturally am. But I got to horror in, in a very, and I'll just put it blunt, in a very ass-backwards way. And it started when <laughs> I was four or five years old. And when I was a kid, as around our age, we would go to the local video store to rent movies. For us, it was warehouse warehouse movies and warehouse was eventually bought out by trans world uh entertainment um you may be familiar with some of their sister stores um around the area there's fie known as four-year entertainment uh suncoast motion suncoast films or suncoast picture company sam goody or some other um sister chains that was part of the of trans world but warehouse was originally a rental uh movie rental place that also sold cds and i remember going to you know we're going looking for movies and i saw child's play three and the only thing that i can 
looking back now is that the fact that it had a toy on the the cover. And so I asked my mom and dad, let me watch it. And they're like, no, it's a scary movie. You can't watch it. I want to watch it. No, you can't. Well, my dad has a very kind of old school mentality where he tells you one thing. And if you're not going to listen, you're going to kind of pay a punishment for it. And so after when I asked about the 34th time, he's, my, my dad tells my mom, let him get it. And he's going to watch the whole movie and see how he likes it. And so that was the first horror movie I saw was Child's Play 3. And obviously as a four or five-year-old seeing the killer doll. And at the time, especially collecting action figures. That's not something you want to see. And it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I don't know how to learn my lesson. So we went back to the movie, th- the movie store. Well, now I got to watch Child's Play 2. <laughs> and that was even worse because Child's Play 2 was even, you know, was way more horrifying than the third one. Where the third one was when Chucky started getting a little bit of a, a comedic relief. The second and, one, especially that ending. Oh God, no! Yeah, when they're the, <laughs> the, 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 toy, yeah. the toy factory, yeah, yeah. Oh. I think by far the second one is by far the is the is the worst out of all of them as far as the, the level of of horror and um and scare factor. Uh, and then that kind of put the kibosh on horror films for a while from from my family letting me watch because it turned into just a revolving cycle of nightmares for me. And then, then fast track. And like I said, this was probably around 93, 94. Well, then fast track. So about five years later to the sequel to child's play three, the bride of Chucky. And this was kind of my cousin. He kept telling me, um, I'm going to take you. I'm going to take you. We're going to just, we're going to overcome this fear well, my uncle had organized a viewing, basically like a, a viewing party or a you know group of individuals to go watch it. And I went along and and it kind of was like, wait a minute, this isn't scary. Like, what was I afraid of for all these years? And that kind of got me going to horror films um, after my original tangle with Child's Play 3 was Bride of Chucky. From Bride of Chucky, um, the next one that... And this really would kind of put me headfirst into, you know, really take a deep, deep dive was Halloween H2O. I'd never, and as I said, this is asked backwards because I'm starting at the end of series, not at the <laughs> beginning of the series. It's um, funny. We went to like a local, and at this time, like you, you know, now, you, now you're starting, in our area, you can go anywhere to basically rent a, a film now. Like we saw drugstores are carrying films, grocery stores are carrying films for you to rent and we had just stopped by like a local liquor store and then the manager had just opened up a um like his own section of films for you read vhs films and it was i saw halloween h2o and i got it so my cousin and i could watch it and i was just kind of in i was really enthralled with the whole aspect of michael myers this character who was silent who was targeting his sister and I'm, I can't explain it, but I just really, I love, from that moment on, I just love slasher films. Like, slasher films for me is the best aspect of horror films. Especially when they have, like, in my opinion, like, it could potentially be a real-life scenario. And having this deranged brother who's going after his family, in my opinion, just kind of was the best story that I've ever seen. And it just took off from there where I just had to see everything that was considered um, 
a slasher film. I remember selling, I had, had a extensive collection of wrestling figures and I organized a yard sale and I started selling my wrestling figures to purchase VHS tapes because the local grocery store on Halloween, around Halloween, was starting to sell old VHS tapes um, for I think it was like six or seven dollars. And I bought the first, you know, the first Friday the 13th, the first one and the second one and the original Halloween I had to have. And and then from there, I just started watching everything. The original classic slashers, Nightmare on Home Street, Friday the 13th, all the Halloweens. And um, eventually went from VHS to DVD. And, you know, the rest was kind of history. I, when I was in middle school, I was obsessed with wanting to become a horror film director. And I studied, you know, like for me, I was studying films like, what do these characters have in common? How were these deaths played out? Like, could you make them better? Um, what would you give a, a final girl to make them stronger? Uh, who could you make somebody be more um, a better victim? How could you make a how could you make somebody to be a a stronger antagonist? And so, um, another big one for me was Scream. By far, my two favorite series is is Halloween, followed by Scream. Those two films, especially with the characters of the original Scream, were just um, amazing to me. Um, specifically in Halloween, with Doctor Samuel Loomis, who just was always on the offensive to go after Michael Myers and felt he had to stop this um, indestructible evil. And then with Scream, the whole aspect of like this revenge killing of Billy Loomis, and then preceded by you know his mother in the second one and then um sydney's half brother in the third one hey that was another film that I watched ass backwards too i saw scream two before i saw scream one <laughs> oh wow what it is wrong became, with you <laughs> yeah it actually became a revolving like this revolving joke later like later in life and i um my boss is actually good friends with Derek mirrors who as we know is um played uh Jason Voorhees in the remake. Yep. And he also is a has a extension extensive stunt um um resume from different stunts, you know, that he's done whether it's in like for the Hills Have Eyes and the remake and Wild Wild West. And the revolving joke was is like, well, if you make a sequel, Jar probably watch it because he doesn't watch originals. <laughs> I've seen so I yeah I don't know why I think just it was just the it was readily available at the time because you know obviously when you're going to video stores to watch films they really don't they're keeping what's pretty much new they're not keeping older stuff mm -hmm. I, that's the only thing I can think of you know obviously um, you know now I have everything on DVD or digital copies but yeah it, it was my all the all those classic the only one that I watched from beginning to end was. Friday the 13th and um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Everything else like, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Halloween, Child's Play, Scream. I I saw the sequels before I watched the original just by happenstance. Yeah, I mean, the, the first Friday I saw was Part 8, so I'm, I'm with you there. But with Friday, it's more like you don't really have to watch them in order. <laughs> like, you can just watch them at any point. Yeah, uh, I'm shaking my head at you, Jr. I just want you to know that it, it was just <laughs> too, grow, like growing up. Like my parents, you know, my parents they watch horror films. You know, they that was not their thing. Um, and so, like the last my dad, the last horror film my dad ever saw 
was going into the drive-in in 1978 to watch the original Halloween. Oh, wow. That was his last horror film that he saw. Wow. I don't know what was the last horror film my mother saw. Um, you know, my siblings were all various different ages. My brother's eight years older than me. My sister's three years older than me. So, like, when I started becoming of that age of, like, well, I kind of want to do this. Well, my brother was already fully, you know, he was an adult and he had yeah. his own life. And my sister, you know, was in high school. And so it wasn't something that, you know, I could, the, it wasn't passed down through ge- a family generation or or it was something that I was doing with my siblings. It was something that I had to dive into on my own. And, you know, growing up and during that time, you know, we struggled financially. So, you know, if I wanted to see something, you know, or buy something, I'd use my own money. So, like I said, it was whatever was readily available. If it was on sale, that was another thing, too. If To buy something, if it was on sale, like finding those the original Friday the 13th, one and two at the grocery store, it was only like six or seven dollars. And like I just sold, you know, 15 action figures for a dollar each. I just bought the first two films and I saw those backwards and forwards because those are the first two films I ever had that were mine that I bought um, to study. Wow. It's pretty cool that your your first movie was uh, Child's Play 3. Like a lot of people, like I, I see a lot of people say that they don't actually like Child's Play 3. is like one of the weakest ones in, in, in the series. Uh, it's actually like one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah, good I mean, one. That's that's a military one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And and I mean that was the one that I think you know Brad Dorf who voice who voices Chucky, um, yeah. Charles Lee Ray. Um, yeah, he does a great job, and I think really comes into his own in the third one because now he's starting to play into the comedic side of Chucky. Yeah, and you know it's everything from, uh, like I remember when the the head of the military school has a heart attack and he's like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. You know, just yeah. things like that was just, you know, funny. And, um, you know, then like I said, it, I think it had to do with the fact that it had a toy on the cover. I, I honestly can't, I don't know why it was that one, but that, I, but it was Charles play three. Then there was the second one. And eventually, you know, it was this hiatus for a few years and H12 brought, or actually Brian Chucky's what brought me back. And then H12 from there, but really, H2O was the one who was kind of like definitely, definitely just had me dive deep in and had me hooked as a horror fan for, you know, for the rest of my life after that. I just, Michael, I can't explain enough how much I love Michael Myers as a character. And then also going back and seeing Dr. Loomis from, you know, from the first, second, fourth, fifth, and sixth films, I mean, I, he was such a tremendous character, and then when you hear, you know, when you hear subtle hints of him, like in the beginning of H two O, and then his, you know, they mimic his voice in the the remake, or not the remake, but in in twenty eighteen, um, Donald Pleasance was just a very special character in, in those films, and yeah, yeah, Doctor Loomis is probably one of the best Halloween characters there is. You'll, you'll be happy, uh, Maria. That was another one I watched Ask Backwards because I'm pretty sure my cousin. <laughs> He found. I'm pretty. Sure, I, I know. Right. He found six. He found six, and we saw six. Wow. I couldn't hang with you. I'd be like, "What are you doing? No, let's go walk to a video store. You got two dollars? Let's rent this movie from the beginning." I would have smacked you. <laughs> then, then, then I'm pretty. Sure, then uh, I, I swear I'll be here all day. But it was like four. Then four came because my aunt bought it for me at my. My aunt bought it for me. 
the day before my sister's quinceanera, she bought me Halloween 4. And I took home that night. We watched it because uh, all my cousins came into town for my sister's quinceanera. We saw, we saw Halloween 4. Nice. Wow. <laughs> JR just watches horror movies backwards. Ass backwards. It was, fun, <laughs> yeah, it was But then, you know, going through... And then, you know, then obviously I had to go back from beginning to, to go be the the correct way, you know, how it's supposed to be in sequential order. Um, I'll tell you the one I got to say is for our friend. I utterly hate Halloween 3 for a number of reasons. Um, but I think I spent so long trying to find the third Halloween because um, there Kyle, you, you probably may know a bit better, better than this than I do, but the distributors of Halloween, like I think changed hands from one to like four or five with somebody else and dimension films got the rights to distribution from like six to seven and now blumhouse has it so for a while it was like impossible to find halloween three and i was like i gotta find halloween three to see like what's the missing piece between two and four and then it was and then when you saw when i saw two well i saw four obviously first and i saw nfc two i'm like Wow. what happened between him getting blown up and then him being in a gurney and in, in, a, in a sanctuary somewhere beginning of four. And then I'm sitting there. Finally, I got my hands on Halloween three. I don't know where I found it, but I found it, I think at a new video store. So I'm sitting there watching and watching and I'm like, where the fuck is Michael Myers at? Like, and then to get to the end, I'm just like, this has nothing to do with Halloween. Like I, it, I was so like, like <laughs> extremely angry that I was waiting the whole time for Michael Myers and he never came out. And then it was about you know the the killer cult and and then the uh, you know the mask. And I was like, so I have a very deep hatred for that movie. <laughs> Probably like unhealthy compared to most people. And I remember I got some crap on it on Facebook. They're like. Let me give you like it because it doesn't have Michael Myers. I was like, yes, I don't like it because it does not have Michael Myers. Call it anything else but Halloween. <laughs> it's like watching uh it's like if you turn on Jason Goes to Hell, but you don't see the beginning and you're just like, Where is Jason? Yeah. Or even <laughs> and then you or like um I can't remember which Jason it was. Like, I wanna say it was five, but the one where he, it's not even Jason, it's a copycat oh, yeah. Oh, 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 yeah, five, a new beginning. It's uh, Roy. But see, like, here's the thing, though, with a new beginning is that you don't even find out it's Roy until the end. So you're, like, sitting there and you're you're watching the movie and, like, most people, like, really enjoyed it until they find out that it wasn't Jason. So it's like, so you locked that entire movie until the very end because it wasn't Jason and you didn't know that. <laughs> well, I guess it's time to hear from Maria. Hey, I'm back. I wanted to show you guys what she destroyed real quick. <laughs> so you go to the video. <laughs> so she basically, this monitor completely crashed down. My tower right here was on the side. I had a thing of pop right here. It spilled everywhere. My keyboard and my mouse were on the floor. This PlayStation TV was toppled over. I don't even know where she's at right now. I was going to say, wow. I want to see the doll. Okay, she's adorable and all, but she's like she's an Australian Shepherd, so she's like Velcro. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, and she's a great dog. And I was petting her, and I don't know if it's just the idea of like she was just like freaking out, 
or something hearing me like was talking about horror stuff or i let, let out something because i know when i watch horror movies she gets like what's going on what are you watching <laughs> you know oh, so, you, you know, see so. my dog oh uh, did you kill somebody's computer no you didn't <laughs> he's uh <laughs> he's he's actually whining because he wants to go for a walk right now all right, but I am so sorry. I will even mention so, when it gets to me that I, if you hear a huge crash in our recording, my dog tried to kill, it, it kill was, me. It was funny like, though because because me and Kyle, because I was talking about my hatred for Halloween three, and all yeah. of a sudden I hear this huge crash. And I was like, "Damn, Maria must have got mad at me. Like she must love that film." <laughs> Shut up! I I ruined my Animal Crossing cards. I was supposed to trade with somebody for money. Oh, oh, bitches. Okay, I'm good. All right. Oh, my God. My controller. No, my Switch controller. Okay. All right. Give me one second. I am so sorry. I was like, out of all the times I've recorded and have done stuff, today was the day I decided to trip on every cord known to me. She tripped on three different things. I don't even know how she got back there. Yeah. Dogs can do this. I mean, when, when we first got him, he, he actually chewed through our cable wire for the satellite. Yeah, um, I'm surprised he didn't kill himself, but shit happens when you have fur babies. Oh my god, you're not kidding! Holy crap, I'm surprised my Kenny Omega toy still stood on the counter here. Everything else was everything else was on the floor, and I stood there in shock. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Everything's destroyed, right? Now. <laughs> All right. So, what was the last thing you said? I am so sorry. <laughs> um, no, I was just I was talking about. Um, Halloween 3 and basically the reason why I didn't like it was as I was watching everything ass backwards seeing the beginning of Halloween 4 where um, you know Michael Myers is in that you know in a coma and then the end of 2 where he gets blown up it's like I was looking for 3 because like I had to watch 3 and I couldn't find it and when I finally saw it I was waiting there the whole time I'm like waiting for Michael Myers waiting for Michael Myers and I was like where the fuck is Michael Myers at? And you know, end up finding out the whole movie is about that that killer cult and the mask, mm -hmm. and kind of created a un unhealthy hatred for Halloween three. And so I even got called out on Twitter because somebody was like, "Oh, you know, you just hate it because it doesn't have Michael Myers." And I was like, "Yes, that's exactly why I hate it because it doesn't have Michael Myers because it is a it's a horrible film. Call it Season of the Witch. Don't call it Halloween. I hate it." You okay there? You're right. Tell us how you really feel. I honestly, that's like I, I'm sure like a lot of people like it, and it is actually like a decent film. Yeah. Um, and the main character, um, I can't remember his name, but he actually does a really good job. But I just, but I think because of the anticipation of of trying to find three and finally find it, and it had nothing to do with Michael Myers, and not knowing the backstory of what John Carpenter originally entailed, really like created this, you know, my hatred of it. Yeah, definitely. I could definitely. See that? Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't like it either. So I'm like, <laughs> so I'm part of that. I'm part of that boat. <laughs> All right, is it my turn? Is it my turn to yes. go? Oh, okay, uh, it's my turn yeah. to go. All right. So briefly, if, if Kyle's doing his magic and trying to edit this correctly, I am sorry if you hear a big crashing boom. That was my dog destroying everything. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I'm sorry. You know, for all the types of editing you have to do in that few seconds right there. So I'm sorry about that. Um, but yeah, um, I have kind of a weird story when it comes to um, horror. I am an only child. So I always tell my dad he should have had a boy, but he always says he wanted a girl. But 
it was kind of my house where whatever he watched is what I watched. So there was never really much of a say of what I could have actually watched on TV. So if he was watching Child's Play or Alien or Predator or, you know, just Freddy Krueger, any type of Nightmare on Elm Street thing, if I wanted to watch it, then I had it to basically be adult enough to watch it. So he would tell me, well, if you're going to watch it, you can't cry on that. You have to go to sleep. You can't cry to mom. You know, so it was one of those things where it's like, well, I want to hang out with dad and I want to be a big girl. So I guess I'll put myself through this torture of watching a scary movie when I was like four and five. So, um, but yeah, from my earliest recollection, I, I love Chucky. I loved him since I was a kid. He didn't really scare me. I just thought the movie was um, intriguing. It was different. I kind of like those like Annabelle and like, you know, the boy and things like that movies. Uh, I find them interesting. I don't know if that's like the Hispanic side of me where like the possession type things are kind of interesting to me. But uh, the movie that scared me the most as a child was Arachnophobia. Yeah, that movie scared me so hard um, that my mom said, I don't even know what age I actually watched that movie. But she told me I was having like a nightmare where I thought there were spiders on me. Like I was kind of like sleepwalking. And I don't even remember this. But she yeah. told me from when I was a kid. Yeah, she said I had a, I, I only sleptwalked twice in my life. And it was for arachnophobia. She, she said I kept on saying spiders were getting me. <laughs> so, and of course, my dad got in a lot of trouble after that. And I also had a nightmare where a xenomorph from Alien came after me in my house. So, you know, I was sleepwalking and running toward like a wall and screaming. My mom said I had to be like five or six. This is a really small kid at this point. Um, but, yeah, there was some movies that didn't really scare me. Like the Friday movies didn't scare me. I was I liked it. I thought they were funny. I thought they were uh, cleverly put. Um, but from a, from a young age, I always, I wanted to be a police officer. So actually my undergrads in criminal justice, um, I think I talked to JR about this briefly. Um, but yeah, I was into criminal behavior. And so things like uh, the X-Files intrigued me, things that, you know, why people were scared, why people believed in certain things. Uh, so going back to the actor that portrayed, uh, Chucky's voice, I loved him in the X-Files episode that he is when he played a serial killer. Uh, he was one of those cool episodes. I don't know if you guys ever watched the X-Files, but it was called, uh, the episode was like by the sea somewhere or by the sea. So he actually played uh, where he, yeah, where he was possessed by like, uh, you know, different voices of people that he killed and, and things like that. And he was telling Mulder and Scully where to go. And, you know, I was really intrigued by, you know, his portrayal in that movie. And I already knew who he was at that age. You know, I, I already, kind of like did my history. I was, I, I looked at the back of the box, you know, the movie boxes and I remembered names of people and things like that. And it kind of helped me to make it less scary knowing that there was people that played behind these characters. So that was something I did a lot to kind of help me get past the point of like, Oh God, I don't want to go to sleep and I got to go to school the next day. So it helped me to kind of make these people real and remember that, you know, they are just a movie, but of course there's movies that, um, that do scare me. And my biggest movies that scare me, it was just funny. Everybody always laughs at me. I don't like alien abduction movies at all <laughs> because you don't really know. Like we honestly don't know what, what else is out there. We're just us on this planet. You know what I mean? So it's one of those things where we yeah. don't, we don't really know, you know, we can say there's good and evil that there might be spirits because there's so many documented, you know, situations in history of people saying, you know, there's ghosts and there's possessions and even the Vatican, you know, will go on record for some some people that have been, you know, possessed. So there's some sort of things if you want to believe in that. But we really don't know about alien in, you know, abduction. So some of those movies like Fire in the Sky scared the hell out of me. 
um, you know, close encounters with their kind. I loved it all the way up to the end and that huge alien that looks so skinny and tiny and weird looking scared me, even though he was like, I come in peace. I'm like, no, you don't. I never liked E.T. So there's, there's something wrong with me when it comes to aliens, but like, that's actually probably the one thing that scares me the most. So if we ever have to review that movies that had to be like on a Friday, you would tell me, Kyle, Hey, we're going to review this movie next week. So I have like days off with my husband when he's home. So I can feel more comfortable <laughs> knowing that I'm not by myself. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's I, I really liked um anything, anything, anything horror. It I was a I was a huge kid into horror. I, I loved Halloween. I, I don't remember all of the Friday the 13 movies. I have to go back and watch them. I watched them. My dad really liked that series a lot. He also loved Halloween a lot, but my family, we grew up on that. Um, we watched we would go to the movies and see all the horror movies. I just watched the last Halloween with my mom and she loved it. Um, you know, she remembers watching the first Halloween and she just loved the new one. And she was like, oh, this is a different take. I really, really like it. I, I, didn't, I thought it was going to be too, uh, too supernatural, kind of campy. She didn't know what to expect from it, but she really liked the last movie. Um, my go-to movies when I'm doing like arts and crafts are like Chucky and um, the first Nightmare on Elm Street. I like the movie It. Uh, what are the ones I usually go to? I saw Hellraiser and I probably saw Puppet Master way when I was way too young to the point where like, you know, your parents like close your eyes really quick and they fast forward through something, Yeah, <laughs> you know, but I remember seeing Hellraiser. I remember seeing, what's his name? The Chatterbox, the one that does the uh, clicking noises uh, from Hellraiser. I think so. Yeah. That, that guy, I love, I just like the dynamics of that movie. I just like the creatures and how they were set up. I'm very big on creature movies too. Um, yeah. uh, and then what was that one movie? Was it Terror Night? The one where the, the actress, the female actress that played in three different movies, it came out like in 75. Uh, I used to, do you know, with that doll that that came after her, it was like a, it was like a sex doll. She bought it for her like relationship with her husband or her boyfriend and it, it had like some voodoo spell and it comes up to life and then it comes after her, tries to kill her. What is it? I don't think I've seen that one. I see it. Is it? That sounds interesting. Let me see. Uh, I'll look it up and tell you guys later. But I know somebody out there knows exactly what I'm talking about. It's just like this really weird doll. And um, I'm not going to give it away because if, if you guys haven't seen it. But, yeah, it's it's really creepy. But it goes back to some of the stuff I was brought up in Chales from the Crypt. I watched Outer Limits. I watched The Twilight Zone, um, The X-Files, any type of small miniseries with anything that has to do with the supernatural and paranormal. I love Tales from the Crypt. I love The Crypt Keeper. It was one of my favorite things oh, to watch as a kid. Yeah, I just, I Same loved here. watching the old, like, uh, just the old comics, too. I'm a big comic person. My husband does comics, and uh, we, they just finished doing a horror comic. I love the old school horror comics and the feel that they had, the grunginess to it. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know a lot of girls that like horror as much as I do in real life, so it was really nice to connect with you guys uh, through, like, you know, our love for wrestling. Um, so it's really nice to have that kind of balance between wrestling and horror movies. I'm really excited to see what movies we're going to, you know, review, react to new things that are coming out. But yeah, I, I really like a lot of different things and I'm really open to anything. I'm really into independent movies right now. Uh, I like the movie Veronica that came out on Netflix. It was the indie movies translated over high subtitles. That's a really good possession movie. Um, the La Leona, I haven't seen that one yet. I heard it's actually pretty decent. More political stance, but it does really well when it comes to the Hispanic uh, folklore. 
on that. Yeah. I like I like I love a lot of movies with like actual tangible things like Salem folklore that have to do with the area. Like I was telling you guys, I saw the forest. I like the one the you know the actual knowledge of the Japanese forests and they had you know all the suicides and the hauntings and how they really do think it's haunted out there and things like that. Bachelor's Grove in Illinois is haunted. And I love yeah. I, I I'm really easy to get along with when it comes to horror stuff. I definitely probably do a little bit of history stuff with the professor, our resident professor here. But but Chicago's super haunted. So, I mean, the state of oh, Illinois yeah. is, like, super haunted. Um, and, then, yeah, we can always do a, another episode. We could talk about if you guys have any personal stories about things that have happened. Because I got some. Oh, I've actually never had any experiences myself. I've always wanted to. But and there was a time where we lived in this house where everybody had an experience but me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was just like, really? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we talked about that because, uh, like, uh, I guess the pretty, pretty interesting ones. My mom told me about some experiences she had in a house that we lived in. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of different stories I have. Like, I visited Bachelor's Grove before in high school. I have a scary story about that. Um, Going back to that alien thing I was talking about, I remember seeing the the lights over like Tinley in Illinois back like in 2000 or something. It's like a huge documented event over the area, the south area of Illinois, where there were just all these lights that people couldn't, you know, figure out where they came from. And it's actually been, yeah. you know, investigated and things like that. Um, but yeah, some of this, I, w- I want to go back and say some of the scariest movies I watched are like Fire in the Sky really scared me as a kid. Oh, um, I remember that movie. That movie scared the heck out of me, especially knowing before I actually had to go back before I knew about the movie. I had read about it because I was really big into like real life experiences and things like that. We used to read those, you know, real stories, ghost stories, and then kind of like find movies that were coincide with that. So knowing that that was a real group of people that believed that this actually happened added another layer of it. Kind of like what JR said with like Halloween and like Mike Myers, like there's a possibility that there's serial killers out there that are crazy, you know, and do these things. And there, there adds a level of realism to the horror movie. And it's not about a possessed doll or what you can, you can't see, but these are tangible people that can go off the rails, like Hills Have Eyes or Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where people go missing. And, you know, there's always crazy people out there. So that's always kind of like a real life, scary horror movie to think about. Um, Uh yeah, talking when you're talking about uh, movies that uh, that are scary because of the realism, the the only movie series that I've ever been like that's ever actually like really scared me was the Final Destination series, just because you know stuff and like some of the stuff is outrageous, but like a majority of it could happen, and and, um, and it has happened. Yeah, <laughs> just the scary yeah. part. Yeah, and like till this like till this day. Till this very day, if I'm on the interstate or on the highway or anywhere and a log truck gets in front of me, I will pull over somewhere else or get in another lane. I will not get behind a log truck all because <laughs> of Final Destination 2. You're like, nope, not today. Today yep. is not that's the, the day. Funny, that's the funny thing I was saying right now when Kyle was talking about, like, I wish I had an encounter with the like paranormal. I'm like, no, I do not wish I had an encounter with the paranormal activity. Like, I strongly believe in I believe in faith. I, in fate, I believe in you know, don't tempt you know, don't tempt temptation. So, yeah. for example, um, 
like Hellraiser, I've seen all of them, and I and most of them I think are pretty are you know pretty good films. But I always, to me, the I can't. I don't think I'm gonna say it right, but the uh, the layman configuration. I'm like, if I ever saw that, I'm like, I'm not touching that. Or like a Ouija board. Like I ain't touching that. Like yeah, um, I don't. I've never I seen that movie. I don't screw yeah, Ouija Father's board. Another one. I just would never touch. I would, yeah, Father's Nation. I've seen all of them, and I remember after my last high school wrestling meet, we were in the, another state, another city, and we stopped by the movie theater. We saw the the third one. And I was like, I remember just being like, you know, a little bit timid of roller coasters for a while. I don't blame you. Those things are dead traps. That's no, kidding. <laughs> well, oh. you think about how many people go to like their local fair and they're like, oh, let's go ride like the tow tour or whatever the zipper, whatever it's like. You know, those things are put together with like glue and like bubble gum sticks, right? Like you know, <laughs> for like two weeks, they tear them down. Oh yeah, they have no standards. There is no standards <laughs> when it puts up those things at all. So yeah, definitely, definitely not riding fair. But I, it took me, it probably took me two years before I, I rode a roller coaster after the the Final Destination three. But yeah. Oh, if were you guys said no, it's called Trilogy of Terror. Okay, okay. I'm surprised you guys haven't seen that. That's actually like a classic. Yeah, because uh, her name is Karen Black. She basically does three different skits, and it's three different like horror. Like little, you know, like little vignettes. It's only an hour and like twelve minutes. But one of the yeah. best ones is with this stupid doll. It's like it's so crazy. But like, no, it's just one of those things. Like I said, uh, my dad brought me up on a lot of different horror stuff, like Outer Limits, um, The X Files, and uh, The Twilight Zone had a lot of great standalone things. It's not really horror, but if you think about like we go back to the psychology and how it makes you think about other things there's a lot of great episodes like in a twilight zone that were actually like kind of you know they're a little off-putting they're a little questionable about could this really happen or is this really happening because they do a lot of play on you know real life situations and stuff like that but uh yeah i love classic horror movies too you know like nasferatu and the old dracula right. bell lugosi and yeah, i love all those things i love the plays on them too like ed wood is a great movie um, but Plan 9 from Outer Space is a horrible horror movie, but it's there. <laughs> yeah, like you were talking about, you, you like possession movies and, and stuff like that. Uh, of course, I, um, I'm a huge fan of Friday the 13th. Like, uh, if anyone who has me on social media, uh, my current profile picture is me uh, on the dock at Brian's Lake. Uh, I <laughs> think I said that right. Uh, in in Babinette, Alabama. Which is where uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven, the New Blood, was filmed. Like I, uh, me and my family went to the beach at Gulf Shores uh, this past year, and uh, I made a, a trip of my own out because uh, it was only like about an hour, hour and a half away, uh, just to go and visit it. And like, uh, it's crazy because it's like, uh, if you didn't know the movie was filmed there, you wouldn't be able to tell because it, it's so different than what it looked like back then. But mm-hmm. I was just like in love because I was like, because like I started like looking real closely and seeing stuff that I I, I recognize. Like I, I saw a tree that Jason killed a guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I was just like love. I was in love and like all these people was like uh, put uh, uh, bringing boats out to the water and they probably looked at, looked at me like an idiot because I'm out here taking pictures and just smiling from ear to ear. And then uh, I even like went and, and, and uh, put my hand in the water just so I can say I put my hand in Crystal Lake. <laughs> that, but that's like the cool thing to do. Like I want to go to the Overlook Hotel. Like I did oh, a yeah. paper on Stanley uh, Kubrick because it's crazy. 
Yeah. Um, you know, but like that was such a good movie, you know, and like I really want to go there. I want to go to the plantation where like interviewed the vampire was shot because it was so beautiful, you know, different yeah. scenes that they have. Um, yeah, but like, no, I totally get it. I would fan out too if I could be like in areas where like, ooh, this is the part where this person died. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the same about the Halloween, the Michael Myers house. You know, I, I would love to get a chance to visit it and take a picture in front of the house and, um, yeah. Hey, if if I could even if the um the oh, Grove, Smith Grove San, you know Sanitarium, if I could find that, I would well, that'd be awesome too. Yeah, a bush from Halloween that you know uh, the iconic image of him standing behind the bush that's located in in Pasadena, California, uh, and like a uh, uh, that's another location I I definitely want to visit at least once and get a picture at, and then uh, also uh. uh the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre house that yeah. they filmed at, uh, it's now a restaurant and I really want to go there and eat and order <laughs> barbecue if that exists there. <laughs> if, it, if it doesn't, it's a sacrilege. It has to have barbecue. <laughs> but yeah, so I guess that was us telling everyone uh, how we came to be fans of horror and everything and it was really interesting hearing hearing both of y'all's uh, stories and and how everything came together for y'all. Uh, I'm really looking forward to to getting this off the ground with everybody. And next week, we will be doing a movie review on Host. If anyone's listening uh, who hasn't watched it yet, it's available on Shudder. So give that a watch, and we'll be doing a review on it on our next episode. Yep, yep. I actually was thoroughly surprised. It was good. It, it was very good. Yeah. I, I was surprised. For, uh, for me, I kept hearing a lot about it from you, Kyle, and then one of our other good friends, Cece, who um, has her podcast with her friend, uh, The Swim Queens, about hosts, and I kept hearing about it over and over again. And I honestly had no idea what it was about. And then so I was like, all right, I got to get Shudder and, and, you know, get a chance to review it. And, um, you know, it's a very interesting time that we're in right now, and, and I think this film is the right film for us to review yes. because of the current situation. And um, I think also just in general, Shudder, if for any fans of horror, is a must-have. There's so much content on there. And even just besides the um, the movies, but the documentaries that's on there is mm-hmm. was just amazing to watch. That was the first thing I started watching was the documentaries. Oh, yeah. Uh, I highly recommend the, uh, of course, uh, Friday 13th fan uh, here. I highly recommend Crystal Lake Memories on Shudder. It's almost seven hours long, but it's so worth it. It literally details everything about every Friday the 13th movie. And just in case anybody's looking for the host, it's if you go to the page on Shutter and it looks like a Zoom call, you're on the right movie. Because I swear to God, there's like 155,000 different host of movies out there. And I was so confused. I kept asking Tom, like, is this the right one? Am I going to watch? Because I swear to God, if I said, like, you know, we're, we're, we're in a time where, like, you know, we're busy, but we're not busy all the time, but we're adults. You know, so when you sit down and watch a movie, you're like, is this the right movie? Because I swear if I watched the wrong movie to review. <laughs> but yes, if you go in the shutter. Can you imagine if you would have watched the wrong one and we wouldn't have told you and like we're sitting reviewing the movie? And that's my like, life, though. See, yeah. that's my life. That would have been me. Like, that's it what happened like, it. 
So when the alien came and took over Ashley's body, how you know? <laughs> Shut up! How did you guys feel to be like? What are you talking about? What are you talking? About? <laughs> there was like a massive Zoom call that you didn't see, right? I'm like, oh, dad host. <laughs> I would hate I, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I thought the same when when I heard the term host. I the fr- isn't there a movie called Host that was by like the director of Twilight? I think so. Yes, it's a book. And, yes. And then there's a, and then the other movie, um, another movie, a horror film that I don't know if it's horror or sci-fi, with um, Donald Sutherland called The Puppet Masters. Yeah, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with. Yeah, where the they had those alien um, mm-hmm. parasites. You know that I thought it was going to be something like that, and then when I saw it was a Zoom call, I was like, "Oh, this is different." Yeah, and there's one about a monster too, and it's like an Asian film, and I'm like, I, I wouldn't put it past Shutter. You know what I mean? Because they they get stuff from everywhere, and I'm like, I'm gonna watch the wrong one, and I felt stupid asking like a hundred questions, and I'm like, no, I'm gonna make sure I write, I watch the right one because I swear I will be that person that comes into the call. And then he's like, okay, guys, we're going to review it. And then I have no idea what you're talking about. I would have winged it, though, because I'm good at that. But you guys would not have known. <laughs> well, I winged I winged all of grad school, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that about wraps up this episode, uh, this little pilot episode. I hope everyone listening has enjoyed it. And we hope you'll join us in next time as we review host. With that being said, uh, as our friend uh, uh, JR said, uh, our mutual friend Cece from the, the Screen Queens podcast, uh, and if you want to follow them on Twitter, it's uh, at Screen Queens 85. Everyone make sure to wear a mask so that we can save Halloween, please. Yeah, please. That would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing I have left going for me right now is Halloween. Let's just save that. Exactly. Exactly. But wear a mask save Halloween and uh, stay creepy until next time bye bye bye